What's going on, friends and family? This is random number 88. That's right. I'm Ox. That's Luke. And we're going to talk to you about all the latest and newest stuff. For the most part, anyway. Um, for this week, uh, I suppose you didn't. You still didn't watch How to Train Your Dragon? Nope. Just riding that line, putting it off. You a-hole. <laughs> so, uh, we did watch the Doom Patrol pilot. Um, are you caught up in Deadly Class in the passage? Minus uh, last night? Dead, deadly Class, yes. I didn't watch the last week of the passage yet, I don't think. Uh, how about I Am the Night? No. No. I think there's only six episodes to I Am the Night. Well, well maybe I'll get there. TNT dramas just don't do it for me. <laughs> this one actually is starting to kick off um, with only a couple more episodes through it. Uh, it seems like it's picking up pace and actually getting somewhere. So hmm. much, much quicker than uh, Alienist, which I think Alienist is coming back for a second season, isn't it? Uh, I heard that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, also, I caught up with Russian Doll on Netflix that you had watched it last week. Uh, four more episodes of Battlestar Galactica. Then we watched the entirety of Umbrella Academy, along with reading the first volume. And then we watched Battle Angel Alita, as well as Happy Death Day to you. Um, you got everything else watched then? Yeah, that was a lot, man. I, I didn't remember watching that much. It certainly was. Uh, and then when you pushed it off Monday, I was like, well, that's something. After all that hard work, getting everything caught up, and then you just, nope, I don't want to snow. No, don't. Don't hold that shit. You literally <laughs> texted me yesterday, like, well, I finally read the volume one. No, no, oh, bullshit. I had everything done Sunday night, and all I had to do was read volume one, and that would have taken a couple hours. So this one's on the, you. I only held off because I hadn't seen Happy Death Day, which I ended up catching at like 9 o'clock Monday night. Uh, well, too bad. This one's blamed on you. So Mm -mm. if you're expecting earlier in the week for this episode, uh, blame Luke and make sure to let him know that on social media and everything. Whatever. You don't even post this shit till like Friday anyways. Don't you, don't you tell me what I do and that I don't do. It's fine. I, I maintain a tight ship here. So, uh, (laughs) this is on you. All of it's on you. (laughs) So, dipping. Uh, was there any news stories that you wanted to talk about beforehand? Uh, just the one I just found out, which is super awesome and weird, and I don't understand. Um, What's that? Apparently, Chris Hemsworth is in talk to star no. as Hulk Hogan in a biopic. That just seems like a really bad move. I don't understand it at all. It just seems like this. This is one of those decisions that people make that, like, oh, well, I guess I'd never have to pay attention to their career ever again. I don't think it's that bad. Um, Yeah, dude, like, he's portraying, you know, a a pretty well-known racist, but Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to get that far in the story. I don't think they probably get out in the 80s, but the idea of him with that, like, long platinum blonde hair with the big horseshoe bald and a handlebar mustache. <laughs> Come on, you kind of want to see that. All right. All right. It would be great if uh, Chris Helmsworth portrays 
Hulk Hogan when he was like at the height and like acting in like three or four different movies. Oh God! Can you imagine? It's just like it's Chris, it's Chris Hemsworth, and it shows him shooting scenes for Mister Nanny. Listen, you take ten minutes from each one of his movies: Suburban Commando, Mister Nanny. I'm sure there were a couple other ones, but like you just uh, put those, shoehorn those in the biopics somewhere. That's yes. what people really I need, want. I need to see him fighting crime on a speedboat and whatever that one was. <laughs> Thunder, Thunder Paradise. That's the one. Oh goddamn! You know what? I'm on board. Down with it. <laughs> I want to see the world burn, and I feel like this is the quickest way possible. Um. <laughs> Jessica Jones and Punisher got the axe. Eh, we knew it was coming. Yeah, I mean, it, it's surprising me that anybody is surprised by that news, and they're like, but but everything was looking so good. It's like, but you guys don't realize. Like, we've talked about this, and it's like, yeah, they just want to move these properties to something else, and Netflix doesn't want to pay for those fucking those shows anymore, so to hell with it. Yeah. To hell with it. To hell with it. Um, did so? How are you feeling about Deadly Class now that we're? It seems like we're through the first volume now, and we're moving on to the second volume of stuff. Uh, is it sad that I didn't like this episode? Yeah, it is because this episode was awesome. <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. The acid trip was fucking great. Was it? it? Um. Okay. To say to what you're speaking about, uh, it was a little discombobulated. It was kind of a little all over the place. Kind of didn't know how to pace itself, and like it was, yeah, it was a little disorienting. Like, but I like the way they did a few of few of the scenes and to have that showdown with Chico was awesome. Yeah, um, it just felt. You know, it literally just felt like they were like, we're going to do fear and loathing, but there's no point to it. And like, and I, I'm getting just sick to my stomach of fucking Marcus's narration because it's so bad. I'll give you that point as well. Yeah. For the most and also, part. I know, I know this is probably going to piss you off, but you know what? I'm all bored on fucking Marcus and Maria. Fuck Saya. No one cares about her. No, Let's listen, do this. I'm totally on board for Maria. I, I, I'm excited for the second volume because it kind of features her a little bit more. Um, I, for Marcus and Saya being together, but you know what? Let's have a fling with Maria while while the iron's hot. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for these the second half of the season and seeing where oh. it goes. And plus, it felt so weird that, like, the whole point of this trip was to kill Billy's dad, and then they mm-hmm. do, and no one talks about it, and nothing happens from it, and that scene just kind of happens. Yeah, that happened in the the uh, issues, too. Like, like just kind of had its moment, and, like, the other three that went with him that just kind of knew nothing about it or did anything to help. You know, I mean, like... <laughs> Even at the end of the episode, when like, they're patched up and heading back home, like there's like no like Billy doesn't seem to care. Nothing, you know. He has that one little freak out, and then it's just like, oh, whatever, we're moving on. 
Yeah, but I mean the 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 moment he did have once he did kill him, that was pretty pretty intense moment. And I what? think it was terribly yeah. acted. I felt it was um, really bad for a lesser known actor. I guess I I'm I'm assuming this is his first role. Um, I I'll cut him some breaks, but I thought it was all right. I was more all about the clown neon <laughs> in the hallucinations everywhere. So. I don't know. Hmm. I dig it. Into the passage. Um, more vampires. Let's get on. <laughs> let's make all the vampires. Which, uh, did you watch last night's? Or are you still on last week's? Last week's. Okay. That's one where, like, he hypnotizes the doctor into thinking he's mind controlling him to let him free. Yep. That one? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the girl starts showing that she does have powers and can start reading mind and then like they go to escape and they run into that dude and she screams and apparently that's her superpower against vampires. Really dumb. Which oh my god. If she has to pull that card, I'm not so sure I will stick through with it because like it gets me on a level that I just hate, just like um what's her name scream from Twin Peaks. Like, it's just too much. But uh, I'm liking the vampire progression. Uh, it's kind of weird that they didn't talk anymore about the uh, few vampires that he needs, but it seems like they're going to get them because there was all kinds of shit went haywire in the place. So, Yeah, that's what you get when you make vampires. Shit goes south. Quick. <laughs> I'm... I'm... I appreciate that they're just starting to use the vampire word. They're like, yeah, these are new billion beings, whatever. They're the vampires. So, yeah. Um, and we have uh, Desmond's wife gets infected with it. Which, so. what a shithead. What a shithead vampire. It's like, Desmond's like, listen, we're over you. Like, our, our relationship's stronger. Like, we got through all that. And he's like, you know what? Way to go. I'm an asshole. I'm going to make her a vampire. <laughs> what a prick. Um, but yeah, I don't know how many more episodes there are, but like, is it still sticking pretty true to the the book anyway? What I remember. I, don't know, I read that book a long time ago. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I'm digging it for the most part. Well, kind of. Uh, because wasn't, wasn't this episode where the government guy shows up and he starts talking about how he wants to use him as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, in the book, they're, like, they want to use them as, like, bunker busters and send them into, like, caves in Afghanistan and stuff. Uh, they definitely, they didn't go over any of that. They were just, like, we want to use you and your special powers or whatever. But that makes sense. But it seems like an awful, awfully big liability. Oh, yeah, and that's why they were trying to... uh show that they could hypnotic or like um, control. control them with those stupid whatever buttons. Fools. <laughs> but yeah, I'm digging it. I think Zach Morris isn't long for this show. Probably maybe one more episode, but I don't think he'll make the entire run. Um, yeah, I'm the Knights. Turning out pretty great. Uh, Chris Pine uh, is doing some better acting. Um it's coming to an head. Uh, we're learning more about that uh, the Harold guy. Um, 
and the fauna seems to be right in the middle of danger right now. So, is there been any weird Hollywood sex parties yet? Um, not since that first one, like the one when she called and like they were having that party. So, hmm. then I'm not interested. It's <laughs> fair. It's fair. Um, so then jumping from there, uh, let's talk about Russian Doll and how great that was. Yeah, were you surprised? I was. Uh, I was. I figured it was going to be like just the generic Groundhog Day, but it was kind of. I liked the uh, different concepts they brought to the table with it, and then uh, them running into the person that was kind of mimicking um, this de- dying every few hours or days, pretty much. So that was a great yeah. concept, and like only half hour episodes, eight of them just easy to get through and like i intentionally didn't binge it like i only watched two episodes uh every night for four days and like it was just so worth it like all the actors involved like um it felt like a very groundhog day-esque episode chain but like then like things started disappearing and it's like this whole world that they're in is breaking down and they have to figure this shit out um was pretty great and now like thinking about little moments like i texted you last night like sweet birthday baby (laughs) um yeah there's there's some really great moments and i've already recommended to to a few people it's like anybody can get through this if you can get through a movie you can get you can binge this reasonably in a night and it's worth it so yeah we we watched it straight through you know and uh I like it. I mean, in the end, the whole thesis is, you know, take care of people, you know, look mm-hmm. out for the people around you and be good to them. And because, you know, the whole last episode comes down to they've have to figure out how to save each other. You know, that's mm-hmm. why they're stuck here and what they have to do. And, you know, it's just and it's funny and it's well done. And some of the directing and it, it's like great. Like that last yeah. episode when it's doing like the split screen and it comes together and everything, it's yeah cool for sure. Stuff. When it's when it's collapsing their world or their uh, different vantage points from the different stories uh, upon each other, like yeah, really great moments. Uh, one question: so her friend, when she comes out of the the bathroom and talks to the chick that's cooking in the kitchen, was her and the white haired chick together? No. Okay, because I thought they were, and then it got to, like, I think it was either the sixth or seventh episode, and, like, the white-haired chick was clearly with somebody else, and then there was the scene from, like, episode three or so where she was, like, she walked in on the bedroom, and she was with them, and it's, like, it seemed like it was a, uh, it, it might have been a bigger issue, but if they clearly weren't together, like, just her friends makes sense. Yeah, I think um, it was just the core friend group. That's fair. It's fair. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, how it the, it doesn't go the way you expect it to. Um, when it lays out the rules, like they die in unexpected ways, and then the halfway through it just throws your curveball. It's like maybe that's not even right because they're just dying at random now and having aneurysms and shit. So it's like there's some really awesome mechanics to this whole concept that were really well done. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Hell yeah. He's good. So, 
So I forgot um, you were gonna watch it. So yeah, yeah, that's why I was uh, a little distraught that you wanted to push it a couple of days because I'm trying to still hold on to all this info. <laughs> but yeah, really great. Check it out on Netflix. Worth a watch. Um, from there, let's dive into back into uh, Battlestar Galactica. Because you're going to freak out? Dude, this show is so good. Like, we're only talking four episodes again tonight, and I, I'm already grinning from ear to ear uh, thinking about all the stuff that happened in those four episodes. Like, this show is going far beyond any other show, and, like, the grand storytelling it's doing, like, the interweaving of stories and, like, the the sides of a story that are mirrored on a different plane and like the way it's twisting all together is so great. But I mean, getting back into it, episode five was basically the search for Starbucks. And when you spoke last week, you said that I've already seen two Cylons. Did you mean the ship was a Cylon or that? No, I didn't count. Okay. You know, there there was a time when I was watching the show when you're like, is the fucking ship one of the 12 models? It, it's not. Okay. <laughs> uh, but what a fucking cool scene. And like, Starbuck, listen, I don't want Starbuck to be a Cylon. Anybody else on the show could be a Cylon. Minus Gaius. I don't want Starbuck or Gaius to be a Cylon. Anybody so, else for a game. <laughs> so I think there's um, an interesting duality in that episode between that and the opening of the miniseries uh Mm -hmm. they kind of mirror each other very well you know um the miniseries opens with six walking into the space station for the you know the 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 mason dixon line however you want to refer the the dmz and like where they meet to talk you know Yeah, yeah, yeah and and you know she walks up with the to the human and the first thing she says is are you alive and then in this episode, when Starbuck, Starbuck opens the hatch and sees that it's muscle underneath, she's like, are you alive? You know, it's these dualities of who, what, what does being alive mean to each of these different races? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, the, the admiration uh, Ad- Adama has for Starbuck, even after everything they just went through um, and finding out that she was the reason that Zach had died uh, and then going and blowing half of the fleet's fuel reserves to search for her. Like, just an incredible episode. Um, and, like, they start out and you have a clock that's, like, a day's worth of oxygen is what she would have in reserves if she's stranded somewhere. Um, so right now you have a clock running. And, like, probably halfway through the episode, that runs out. And, like, you're, like... And that, and they're like, we should move on, and it's like, we ain't fucking moving on. <laughs> yeah, like so you, even when uh, when Rosalind calls, she's like, I'm so sorry, and he's like, What are you talking about? She could have more air. We don't know what's happening. We're staying. You know, like he's just so so committed to this that he'll risk everyone else. It's kind of insane. And then you get the uh, moment at the end where they realize that they've probably put too much effort into this pulling up. 
And then his son's like, uh, well, we're, what would it be if I was stranded? And he's like, we definitely want to be moving on. And it's like, yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense. And like, it's crazy to think how loyal he is to the people that have been with him for so long. And, um, the lengths he was going to make sure, I mean, obviously they need her because she's a great fighter and they only have 20, uh, fighters right now, something like that. Um, and they're, they're putting all these pressures on the fighter ships that they do have and whatnot. Um, it was a great moment though when Starbuck gets the uh, Cylon flying, and like when she's maneuvering around Apollo, and like she flies overhead, and her name's written on the wings. I was like, "Fuck yes, bring that bitch on board, and let's see what's going on." <laughs> so, yeah, great episode. I was I was surprised because here I am sitting in like. Starbucks going to be missing for probably half the season. We're not going to see her again. And this is what I, this is one of the complaints I had about uh, Game of Thrones is because it moved so fast um, and was unearned where this is like, we're focusing on one thing and then moving on and moving the story forward after we get this taken care of, which Game of Thrones doesn't necessarily do. Like it's kind of just throws everything in the wall and whatever sticks, sticks Um, where this is like, it's, they need these people and they need to take them further and like whatever they need to do to get that is where we are. So great storytelling. Uh, from there, we move into the uh, suicide bomber and more si- the Cylon revealed to the public that they can be people or they look like people. Um, Adama didn't tell him that there's 12 um, models, did he? I don't that. remember them talking about that yet, no. Yeah, I don't think they did. Um, but now it's crazy because now we're looking for the ones they do know, which is the one that they found in the facility. Um, the reporter that they left, or not the reporter, but whatever, the guy that they left on that planet along with like a couple more. And then um, the other six was revealed. Like episode seven was insanity. Um, quantified because you get the uh, number six clone coming forward with news on Gaius and like Gaius can't comprehend that this real number six is standing in front of him and it's this whole aspect of trying to cipher um his religious beliefs, I guess, something like that, um, that he doesn't believe in a God, but like number six has this talk with him that like, there's definitely a God and he should be more aware of that. And like, this is the problem. I don't want Gaius to be a Cylon because it means that he's inevitably the smartest human alive for the most part right now that, that we know of anyway. Um, and if he turns out to be a Cylon, that means everybody is fucked because, like, they have uh, such a higher perception of everything going on around them. And, like, we need that on our team, I suppose. But I think, at least from a storytelling perspective, if Gaius were to turn out to be a Cylon, that it negates most of his story. You know, so much of that... So much of that character is him dealing with 
his culpability in the genocide of humankind, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's largely he's you know an, an unwitting co-conspirator, but he let the Cylons in. He caused the genocide essentially, and mm-hmm. to make him a Cylon takes that away from him. Then it's just yes. he's cool, right? Yes, I like the way you're speaking. That means that guy is probably is never going to be a Cylon, and I like that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to to say what you're to speak to what you're saying right now, um, it's also a great little uh, play where he's. It seems like he's riding this line of madness and um, intelligence, where he's having to deal with number six in his mind, but now he has to deal with everything happening around him and trying to make this Cylon detector and guess what he finds the Cylon and it's the boomer she thinks that she might be a Cylon so she has him test her and turns out that he is but he lies to her um, and says that she isn't but now he knows that there's one more um, that they know of so well and and here's the thing that comes out of that is it shows that you know in the end Gaius is like the representation of all that's wrong with humanity, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's conniving, he's selfish, he's only looking out for himself. Because in the end, he finds a Cylon. Yeah. But he is so scared of what she might do to him that he lets her freeze. So anything, you know, we've already seen Boomer commit sabotage on the Battlestar at this point in the season. Anything yeah. else that happens is on Gaius' shoulders because he let her go and didn't say anything, only to protect himself. Yeah, fucking amen. That's such a great, great discussion because, like, here I am in, just in, in love with Gaius' character because, like, he's playing this card where he doesn't know what's what's real anymore, it seems like. But yeah to have the weight of humanity on his shoulders like that and trying to redeem himself like it's it's playing up such a great card in this season so i'm excited plus, to see where it goes plus he's so funny like yeah play, no no he's fantastic like there's, there's so much about that episode that's serious but they play it in this you know like him begging Gata to let him in to look at the photos, but they're doing it while they're on the shitter, right? You know, it's just this <laughs> yeah. everything's played look like a farce. Uh, I think I caught a clip of something where um, they didn't realize that number six and him were going to be the characters they were going to be. And uh, number six had gone in for an addition uh, for the audition and like everybody else in the room was jet black hair because this is the... when matrix had just came out and like trinity was kind of the uh model they were looking for for number six and then she came in with blonde hair and like they realized that that's such a stronger di- direction to go with the character because she stands out I mean, whenever she's in the scene because of it, and like... Well, the the other thing that stands out for me uh, is like, she's tall, and Gaius is kind of short, and then you put her in heels, like she just towers over him. Yeah. There's this huge... 
And then you get this whole time. aspect of, is she actually God? Like, this episode played with my mind so much because, like, it seems like she's more than just a uh, copy of a clone or whatnot. But, like, she seems like she's the ringleader of this whole thing. Because even when we go back to Hilo on, on Caprica, like, she's calling the shots there with uh, the other Cylons around and whatnot. So, Listen, yeah. all I'm going to say is you will figure out the hierarchy of the Cylons. It gets... Fuck. They go deep into that shit. But, I'm sorry, uh, there's uh, definitely between the, this episode and the next, like you get really into the theological side of the show and like the very deep rooted mysticism and religion that mm-hmm. underlines a lot in the show. You're saying from the Gaius episode to the torturing Cylon episode? Yeah, the whole point of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Leoben, everything Leoben's talking about is based upon his faith and religion and. You know, he's quoting scripture at Starbucks and, you know, Roslyn is having prophetic dreams. Like, there's a lot going on in that. Yeah. Like, god damn it. See, that's what scares me is because I really feel like Roslyn is a Cylon, but it seems like she's having the same, like, nightmarish scenarios play out in her mind like Gaius is having. And if she's a Cylon, that kind of means Gaius is a Cylon. And, like, to have her so strong-willed and know that she can't trust anything that he's saying, and then to fucking just pull the switch on the airlock and shoot him out, jettison him out in the fucking nowhere, like, god damn. These characters are so fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they are. But you get this whole episode of Starbuck, who's come back from literally the dead, point she was in episode five and like she's asked to question the Cylon and like torture him by any means necessary because they've that he said that there's a bomb somewhere aboard the fleet and like the everything that comes from that is just insanity because like it shows how far Starbucks willing to push it um, because she doesn't believe these machines are people, so she can do whatever. Um, but also you get this counterpoint where Rosalind is like, we shouldn't treat people like this ever. Um, but even then, if, even by, if it is a machine, but like, we can't trust them for anything. So, yeah. Cause by the end it's still reversed, you know, like Rosalind's like, you know, throw that machine out the airlock in Starbucks praying for his soul. If he has one, you know, like it's this little role reversal. Um, but the other thing to remember too, uh, is that, you know, this aired in 2004. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, we've gone to war in Iraq and we're starting to torture people and intense interrogation to get the information needed, no matter what, like there's a lot of, just remember the time frame when the show is, cause they touch a lot upon that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. And that's wild to just, just, just considering like where we were like that's fucking wow you know especially when like they're ostensibly you know like waterboarding him and water torture and that was what was going on in Gitmo and but even that's fucking what 15 20 years ago and like it's still relative today and like that sucks (laughs) that Mm -hmm. sucks so much so (sighs) Uh, this show is really fucking good though (laughs) but then you also 
you also get which is like one of the most interesting things I think to me is that you know the the fleet and the humans are polytheists, right? They worship yeah. ostensibly the Greek gods, you know, Apollo, Hercules, or uh, Hera, Athena. You know, those are their gods. But the Cylons are this more Judeo-Christian. There's one true God. There's only mm-hmm. one. Uh, but it's interesting that the Cylons know they were created by man and for them to find religion is interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it plays on that card where I thought uh, Blade Runner 2049 was so intriguing because it seemed like the replicants had found that as well. And, like, they were starting to make their own little society and, like, to hell with the humans. But, like, we still have to defend against them. But, yeah, it's it's really strange to see how this whole story is un- unfolding and, like... <sighs> I have just like when we started Breaking Bad. I have no idea where we're gonna go from here, but I'm excited. The, the like nothing is taking that long to figure out. Like, um, even when we got into these next four episodes, I thought we'd be looking for Starbucks for four episodes. And it's like, nope, we're gonna knock out out one, and we're gonna get everybody back on ship, and we're gonna keep rolling along. So, um, yeah, I yeah. think the gods thing is really interesting and. Uh, considering that they're looking for Earth, like it's just all everything combined is just so weird. It's fantastic. <laughs> plus, plus, you know, like you know, Leoben is an agent of chaos, right? He's all about lying and spreading fear and whatever. But like, there's things that are being said that he seems to know and he seems to have information. But you know you know he's he's quoting scripture but he also is saying to starbuck that you know you'll find the lost tribe of Kobol and find the way to earth you know he's giving prophetic statements and how does that tie into these prophetic dreams that laura's having and are they signs from god or is it something else and what's happening it's so good um but the, like it's so weird because you get these cylons like kind of observing humankind and you see that on Caprica with them falling around Hilo and like judging how he's going to act in certain situations like when she was kidnapped or when Boomer was kidnapped and like he had to decide if he was going to go after her or not and like it's interesting that they it it doesn't seem like they're deciphering that there are good humans and bad humans but like they can coexist at some point, but I don't necessarily think they're they're thinking humankind is worth um, compromising for. Um, it seems like those superior beings and like, goddamn this show. But it also well, seems like these Cylons are playing with other Cylons at some point, where it seems like maybe. <laughs> they've released some of them into humankind to see if they can mix and mingle and they're tracking them down and like seeing how they've gotten along and like if anything has changed, which is really indicative of Boomer and like where she has been. But like the one on earth is a much different Boomer than the one that's in the Galactica that has seen all this other stuff go down. But like, 
she's not aware of her actions half the time because she did um do the or uh take the C four and what charges and whatnot and blow up the water tank it seems. So um yeah, it's a really intriguing intriguing show and it's like I get to the end of the four episodes I'm like that was really good and I really want to go on but I'm like I can wait. But like <laughs> fuck, this show is really good. <laughs> yeah. So then we're watching we're only watching three episodes for next week? No, I'm decided we're just gonna finish the season and do the five that are left. Okay, fair enough. I'm good with because there's because I was thinking of doing three and then two, but like the next episode's probably like the worst episode of the season, so <laughs> might as well just finish with a strong point. That's fair. We can rock it. So we'll finish up season one for uh, next week. Moving from there, um, let's go ahead and talk about the script to screen uh, Umbrella Academy. Um, why, why did you want to pick this one? Because it was out. Oh, like you, had you read it before though? Yeah, I've, I've read Umbrella Academy a couple times. Um, I, Gerard Way wrote it and I was a fan of his music. So when he started writing books, you know, I read it. Um, it's one of those books that I always remember really liking. And then I read it and I was like, oh, it's not as good as I ever remember. And so like, I won't. You know, so I won't read it for like four years and I'll be like, fuck, that was really good. And I'll read it. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. Like, so, but I, I think, think I came, that I think I came into this with the exact opposite hesitation because I'm, I'm not a fan of Gerard Way and his music. Like, I didn't think he was a competent writer based on his music, um, but I really fell in love with this story and like, yeah, the adaptation well, is great. I really liked it. So, all all I can say is you're a goddamn fool if you think the writing behind Black Parade isn't good. So, you can to yourself. to be fair, I've never really sat down and listened to it. For the most part, it was it was I was a dumb teenager, and I was like, "This it, isn't fucking heavy metal. I can't like it at all." So it's like yeah, you're being biased. That's yeah, it. yeah, for sure. But I'm, but no, I'm I, grown up now that I can admit that I was wrong back then. But I don't know. I don't know. I think the main problem with the book, I think, is that it takes its time for like two issues, two, three issues. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we, we only have six issues. We got to finish. You know, by the time Vanya kills Pogo and attacks the Academy at the end of five and then you go into issue six and they're already fighting her in the final showdown. Like there's just, it's, it's such a weird smushing at the end. I feel like, which is, which is where I think the uh, adaptation really excels. Like the um, giving the room and like letting these characters kind of fill out. Um, So I, obviously I read the uh, first volume after watching the whole adaptation because I figured um, I knew it was only going to be six issues, so I figured the the story progressed a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, the the way everything got set up, um, it obviously could have been shut, cut a little bit down, but I think for the most part, everything they did worked really well in telling this story, though. Well, I think I honestly, I wish the season in term had been shorter. Um, I think. I think you could have cut all of the um, Hazel and Cha-Cha and the commission stuff and saved that. Because 
I'm fairly certain that's all from volume two. Like, yeah, yeah. When I read first volume, I didn't see them at all, and then I like kind of glanced at volume two, and it, and that's when they come into play. So, but you know, I think we could have been more kind of laser focused and cut some of that out, and like mm-hmm. you know, trimmed it down to maybe six episodes. Because uh, I mean, there's times where like, you know, they do that whole episode, and then like five does a time jump and then goes back to the beginning and then we go through the day again like it, it, that seems like wheel spinning narratively to me because not much changed in any way it did for the most part but that was probably one of my favorite episodes <laughs> was the but you know i feel it. like they could have just some of that superfluous stuff at the side that it felt like they were padding the season out i wish they had just kind of cut and been more laser focused yeah, um, and I, I guess that's where I'm getting at when, like, we're watching these greater uh, shows like Battlestar Galactica, like, where it moves along every episode. It moves moves the needle. Um, I think Netflix has this thing where, like, with the Netflix heroes and everything, we get these padded out uh, episodic seasons. Um, and, like, to see that filler, but also, like, this this show did a really great job of filling these characters out and like i'm glad i didn't read the volume first because obviously they have a little bit different powers and like how they know how to control and whatnot especially with klaus um but yeah i think yeah and i, I think like... that's kind of just netflix's way which was surprising because uh russian doll didn't feel anything like that it's weird on the stuff that like is really short and they let it tell its story and be done and this other stuff it feels like they're forcing it to go um it's weird i don't know there's there's a part of me that was really sad that we didn't get uh the attack on eiffel the eiffel tower and the callback to it that being why space boy was on the moon and stuff like because because that's such a beautifully like little ironic ending to that story like you know when it's just like oh we saved the world and then the original threat that we first started came and destroyed our house at the end. And now it's yeah. time for us to be a family again. Yeah, also, also the exact, uh, the uh, uh, opening of the comic is so great is because it's, this all started with an atomic elbow drop. And it's like this WWF match in space. And like, there are aliens among us and like the Reginald, um, so Reginald was an alien and that he thought to bring these kids together because of this moment in time, like was so great. Um, Plus the book does that thing that they do in like one episode and then it's hard, but where they use like the narration and then pay it off with a punchline at a panel, you know, when like, when, you know, like when you introduce the, uh, the Academy and the reporters like, well, what's that for? you know why why would you do this and he's like to save the world and then it cuts to the newspaper being like from what you know yeah yeah there's these little visual cues um i like i like the designs in the book more than what they pull off in the show like i'm kind of sad that you know vanya just had white skin you know as opposed to like the ridiculous like violin look she has at the end of the book um yeah uh, i really like her violin design from the book um but when they did it the understated way in the adaptation i like that too because it seems like they're gonna 
they found a way to keep her in the show, which was surprising because I really don't like um, the actress. I can't think of her damn name. What do you have against Ellen Page? Listen, I, she's, I'm just not a fan. It, I complete, it's completely on me. I'm just not a fan of her. I think I liked her in Inception, Juno. But like at that point, it just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> she just rubs me the wrong way. And, like, for the most part of the season, I, like, she'd show up. I'm like, great. There's Ellen Page. We got to deal with her for a scene. But, like, for that last episode, I was like, all right. I'm all right with her. I'm I'm sorry for uh, being upset that she was in it. Uh, especially the moment in the cabin when she and Allison have their confrontation. Like, that was the jaw-dropping moment that I, I text you. I was like, a fucking, I was in gasp when that happened. Uh, yeah I also like that I like the representation of her power in the book too more I like the idea you know it's weird because they come close in the show with like it showing this like the air moves and you see that you know it was so great how they showed it off but they kind of fell short of kind of really explaining it true Um, but I mean like they come so close and yeah. showing like the air moving and her pushing and stuff with it. But like, you couldn't just add some musical notes in there. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I thought they did a great job. Um, I love the design of the comic. Like I'm probably going to pick this up just because of the, the art in it. Um, it feels like very um, Mike Mignola kind of. There's yeah. Another- well, it- it has that kind of it. Everything's kind of square and obtuse and not mm-hmm. finely tuned, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's, there's very. It looks very. I don't want to say sketchy, but um, it's simplistic designs. But like, it it takes some doing because I don't. Is it the artist? Does he do the coloring too? I uh, know. I think okay. Dave Stewart did the coloring on it. Okay. But yeah, I really love the uh, line work and the art for the most part. Um, just because it, ha- it, it has a really simple design. Um, it just looked so much like Magnola that like I just fell in love with it. Like, And then the way they showed the different, the different um, people. Um, I, I was happy that they used Ben more in the show then it seemed like they were using him in the the comic. Um, he's just a robot person up on, up on the moon. Um, um, I like, uh, and in terms of like the writing, it's, it's very, you can tell ways inspired by Grant Morrison. It's very kind of this absurdist and everything from everywhere at times. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the show, I think they, I know you haven't watched it yet, but they, they do the same thing that like Preacher does where they rely on like inventive kind of action scenes and like high intensity stuff set to like poppy needle drops. Like Preacher's been doing that shit for three years, you know? Yeah. Um, Kirk and, Kirk was saying something about that on Twitter, said it was a very uh, sister-esque production to Preacher. So. Yep. Because, you know, there's a you know, like in this, there's the in the pilot, there's that awesome scene where five takes out the 
all the hitmen in the restaurant and it's set to Istanbul by they may be giants and like the lights are flashing in time to the song and stuff and yeah. super cool and it just reminds me of like when you know there's a very long extended fight scene and preacher and super bloody and disgusting and they're torturing each other and it sets a fucking uptown girl by Millie Joel you know they just do weird <laughs> shit like that it's so good. Uh, also, I text you like there's those random moments where like they just broke a, they just played a song and just broke into dance everywhere. And it's like it reminded me of those few episodes from uh, Legion season one where we just get those random dance moments and like they're so good. Yeah, when they're <laughs> listening to uh, when Space Boy is listening to Tiffany and they all start dancing in the house separately. Yeah, yeah, but obviously, but- uh, fucking Klaus was my uh, main guy. I love. Oh, him. Of course. You love that guy. He's my favorite. Uh, I'm telling you, he's going to do great things. And like, this was a great role for him to play. So I don't know. I'm just, I've reached that point where like, you know, the powers leading the guy to be a junkie and they'd play the super exaggerated drug addict thing. Like it's such a tired role. I'm kind of sick of it at this point. Understandably. I can see where you're saying coming from there. Um, but, like, none of the other characters really stuck out to me. Dago was fine. Um, I, does Didn't he have different... I think Five's probably the most interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm intrigued. I don't like the actor, but I like the abilities that he has jumping through time and whatnot. And figuring that out, um, it feels like a lot of that stuff was volume two, so I didn't see any much of that coming into the uh, first volume so like that's kind of why I'm intrigued to, to read on with the series um, I believe there's four different uh, stories right now I think the fourth one's running right now right uh, the third is running right now okay um, but yeah I'm intrigued to catch this out um, but yeah I really like the design of Luther from the one and obviously they changed a few things just to make the story work out a little bit better for these ten episodes but like and you know, um, like, what was mom. crazy to me, like, with like uh, Luther, like when they show him the, you know, they show him a couple times without his giant trench coat on and stuff, and like the ape body looks fine. I can't believe they just hit it forever, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, especially when he's in the club just having fun, like, <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, but. Here's my biggest takeaway from this, and it, it's very – it hit me in the pilot. But, like, I've read the book a couple times, you know, and never got it. But started watching the first one, I was like, oh, I, I know what this is now. It's a super-powered Royal Tenenbaums. That's all this show is. Never seen the Royal Tenenbaums, so I don't have that reference. So it's uh, Wes Anderson's third film? Yeah. Uh, and it's about uh, – Gene Hackman plays the patriarch of this family and they all come together because they thought he died, but he just like had a heart attack and it's these siblings and they all excelled and stuff and they all hate each other and they grew apart as they grew older. And now it's them coming together over the impending death of their father. And then two of them, you know, one's an adopted daughter and they fall in love with the brother and they've had unrequited love for each other since they were kids. And then it's them getting together. Also that part in the book was super weird (laughs) (laughs) when it was like, it didn't seem like it was mutual and she just tricked him into kissing her. Eh, It's hard to tell. (laughs) Yeah. It's fair. But yeah, uh, that sounds awesome. And it kind of makes me want to watch Royal Tenenbaums now. So, 
Oh, it's dope. That movie's awesome. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I dug the adaptation. I thought it was done well. Um, as far as other comic book adaptations on Netflix, like Daredevil and whatnot, uh, it's middle of the road, I suppose. Oh, and well, it's interesting enough that they're doing something different. You know, oh, yeah, it's sure. they're more. It's very much more about the. You know, what what do you do when? the only ties you have to normalcy are the people that you've grown apart from and hate. And how do you get back together and grow as a family after you've drifted apart and stuff? That's more interesting than let's save the world, I guess. Um, also, why do we have to kill Pogo? Pogo is great. I fucking love Pogo. Well, you know what bugged me about like one, I wish, you know, the dude who was manipulating Vanya like was in his fucking like super villain costume because like I love that design in the book. Oh, so he uh, was that was the same guy. I, it, that's how I read it. Oh, you okay. know, um, and then like it bugs me that like when she killed him, she didn't blow him completely in half, and when she killed Pogo, she didn't like blow his head off. You know, it's it was these really weird like lame deaths when her power like that splash page will always stick with me when Pogo's brains are getting blown out in the end of issue yeah. five. You know, yeah, it was not. I was not into like it's so uncomfortable. Like it's like God, no, Pogo's great. Why would we do that? Because for up to that point, it felt like um, it felt like the the father had moved his consciousness to Pogo. Like when for the episode, the the, the day that wasn't, and like Pogo and the mom are talking um, away from everybody, and they're like, the kids can never know, and I guess they explained what they meant the next episode, but like, it felt very much like he was tricking them in a way that he was still around and watching them uh, go forth with this, but yeah, I dug it. And also, uh, I wish they had just ended it like the book. Like, I didn't need this cliffhanger of them jumping, and where are they gonna go? And Like, you can... Just because your TV show doesn't mean you can't give me resolution on the story and come back with a different one if you wanted to do another season, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think it's much easier to move from the story that they have right there and just go forward in time rather than telling a different story, which they probably should. But um, I'm glad all the kids survived, I suppose. Um, Well, they did in the book, too. Did they? I didn't think Vanya. No, remember, like, they said, oh, yeah, like, yeah. it's surprised she lived, but she'll probably never be able to, like, play the violin again and have motor functioning. Yep. I gotcha. Um, which, when she let off that blast and broke the moon, I was like, oh, shit. That's how the world is. That makes more, way more sense. Um, so, like, they set themselves up. <laughs> they played themselves. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, super interesting. I, I dig it. I've been recommending it this weekend. Um, yeah. Obvious, but I think like people that knew of the uh, source material were so excited about it. So like, oh yeah, they were like my fucking it, so. like I texted my sister after I watched the first episode, and I was like, I was like, I think I because like I originally read her copy of Umbrella Academy. That's when mm-hmm. I first read it. Uh, but I was like, I like the first episode. I wonder if it's good. She's like, I'm six episodes in already. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, we were uh, we were all clam- we were both clamoring for Klaus, so we're all about it. So, yeah, watch it, uh, watch it, 
the Umbrella Academy and then fucking uh, pick up volume one or two and two. Like these, the shit's great. Yeah. It's so a... going from there, uh, let's talk Battle Angel Alita and how much you hated it. It is an awful movie. It's terrible. It's bad. But I like a lot of it. Oh shit! You gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me! I was, I've been set up these last two days. I was like, I've just gotta see how I've gotta combat all this negativity you're gonna bring to the table. No, I feel like I'm right on board with you. Like that exact same moment. Like, there's reasons why this doesn't work as a movie, but like, it feels very much like a few different manga issues put in like one strip well that's the thing like when i was wa- like uh, you know like i was talking to my buddy after we, we watched it and stuff and i was like it feels so disconnected as a story because it feels like different issues of a manga mm-hmm. it feels yeah. like we're gonna tell a little bit of the origin now we're gonna start telling the story about motorball arc and then we're gonna go to the she's a hunter killer and it just felt like they picked their favorite issues and tried to work them into one story and that god no, it really doesn't, but it kind of does. Like, I had a lot of fun with this fucking movie. I almost saw it for a second time last night, and I was like, I got it. I got plenty of work to do. Maybe I'll catch it again this weekend. So, man, I'm stoked that you liked it. I was surprised. Well, I don't know that I liked it. It's just like... You had a, a lot, lot of fun. Of, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, this is really bad, but it's kind of pretty, and the fight choreography is fun. And when, like... When it picks a tone, it works. Um, yeah. But it has that, and, and I don't know if it's, you know, an anime thing because I stay away from it enough, but it, it there's such tonal whiplash. It'll go from deadly serious to telling jokes to being a romance. Like, it just flips back and forth between these tones, sometimes wow. within the same scene, you know? Yeah, yeah. So cool. Um, but I, I love her design, um, especially her first body, but the ornate um, filigree they had like in the arms and shit like I was totally I was I wish she would have kept that body for a lo- little bit longer like I loved loved the design of it and like I even looked in the manga to see if that was the case and like I'm probably gonna be drawing it here in the next couple of days like just that first body was so fucking dope yeah. Like, also, like everybody had big problems with her eyes, but like that set her apart from everybody else in the movie, and I think it worked to her advantage. Um, and then when she did get the second body and found out she wasn't like everybody else, like that only made it more make more sense. So, um, yeah, it's it's just weird though. I don't know, man. It's <laughs> like the fact that she literally like falls in unrequited to the death love with the first guy she sees even though he's just like nothing and like the like the whole fact that like he gets like almost dies and they make a completely robot body for him and then he dies two seconds later it's like i don't know <laughs> what we're doing in this movie oh i mean he told her like so the person that put him together gave him an exact body that alita had and he told her that when she had it like he would just climb up there with it and she's like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. So, and then immediately die. <laughs> immediately uh, die. Um, but yeah, I thought the, uh, the fight with all the uh, bounty hunters was awesome. 
Um, the, and then, like, the, here's the thing you can't do. You can't have her beat the guy in every single fight and have him keep coming back as, like, your bad guy. That you Like, yeah. That's like playing a video game where you beat the guy and then he shows up again and you beat him again and he shows but up she again, didn't, and you beat him again. But she didn't beat him that the second time. Close enough, like yeah. yeah I she mean, it was it was for the most part it was a draw, but like they never faced off that first time. So like when you have that, it was kind of a draw up to the point where it's the last time and she had no, she beat him body. the first time. She, she kicked his arm off. Oh, time. that's right, that's right, that's right. So it was it was one one at that point. So they had to have a one more square off. It's just like, come on, quit bringing this in. Um, <laughs> and then, like. uh probably the most blatant sequel setup for a sequel we'll never get that I've seen in a long time. Oh, like, for just sure. them... I one, I like... couldn't believe how long the movie kept going. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, that's a great point to move, or that's a great stopping point. Nope, we're still going? Okay. Okay, that's a great stopping point. Nope, still going? That's fine. And then, like, he gets to the roller bar of the derby at the, at the end. I was like, is this going? For-? I I checked my phone. I was like, do we still have an hour to go? Like, okay. There we go. And then, and then out of nowhere, just Edward Norton shows up. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so to speak more about Alita. Um, so this is Cameron Crowe. Or- James Cameron. James Cameron's. Like, this is one of his, like, projects he's had on the back burner for, like, I think it's like 20 years or so. I'm pretty sure like the first time I heard about this, it was supposed to be the movie he did after Titanic. So 99. Yeah. 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 So um, he's had it on the back burner. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez took reins of it though, right? Yeah. Cause Cameron just was never going to make it. Cause he's balls deep in Avatar sequels. So when you get those but... together, it, this movie felt like Rodriguez film so much but like it had the design of Cameron's look like everything looked so polished like I wish the story had been a teen teens better um but I really dug it I I dig it um I hope a sequel happens but I I'm not holding my breath for it because I'm pretty sure it tanked this weekend what's sad is like the like it performed better than expected, but it still only made like $30 million off a $170 million budget, I think. And I'm pretty sure it had like a $200 million um, pro- promotion. Um, yeah. So like it's trying to make, it's trying to make $400 million against itself. And like, who I definitely don't see that happening, but uh, I didn't. Um, but yeah, Cameron started making this, before he made Avatar and like made that movie, he was like, "I'm gonna do five Avatar movies," so I doubt this one will receive by the day. So, plus you can tell like that script feels like he wrote it 20 years ago and it's never been touched. Oh yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Like the whole idea, like imagine if this came out in 2000. Like rollerblading was cool back then. Like, probably <laughs> would have been interested in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it did rollerball a lot better than. Few other movies, the movie, rollerball? yeah, rollerball. <laughs> I was trying to think if it's ever been in any other movie. I guess Whip It, kind of, but yeah, but that had Ellen Page in it, so you hated it. I probably it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm just gonna say I hated it because of Ellen Page. That's you, man. But I dug it. I think 
uh, fans of the manga definitely dig it. Um, I I have never read Alita, but I'm probably going to pick it up. I've seen a lot of people being jazzed by the movie and have started picking it up to the point where other artists like have gone to comic shops to find it and like they're they've been sold out for a week or so. So I'm I'm I think it's dope that an adaptation like that is is causing people to pick up the source material. So I'll probably read it online. <laughs> yeah. So well, go like go check it out. Volumes or something. I think so. So. Go check it out. It's fun. Going from there, we have the final of this week with Happy Death Day to you. And how would you feel about that? Well, this is going to be very interesting because I really, really, really liked the first one and you really, really, really hated it. True. So, so it's going to be really interesting when, when I tell you that I really did not like this one. Wow. This movie kind of made me all right with the first one. (laughs) And I really did like this one. I was so (laughs) fucking upset that I liked it. I was like, I feel like you're you're manipulating the world to uh, make me like shit that I didn't previously like. But I'm surprised to hear that you didn't like it. It's not good. Like, (laughs) that's the main thing. It does. Hmm. So we've had fights on and off about this over this last year. Um, I think maybe a month or two ago, like I realized that I was uh, bringing my own narrative to that movie and was probably judging it a little harsher than I should have. Um, But this movie does, it kind of makes that first movie inconsequential. No, it doesn't at all. It takes away from the first film. Yeah, isn't that what I mean? Isn't that what inconsequential means? Oh, I thought you said makes it consequential, not inconsequential. Inconsequential. (laughs) Yes, no, I agree with that. The whole whole point, like, as much as you're like, oh, the character was a bitch and she stayed a bitch and I hate her and she had no character motivation. Like, in terms of what she does, her arc in the first film is her reconciling with her dad and getting over the death of her mother that's mm-hmm. the whole arc of that movie everything she was doing was because of the death of her mother and then in this movie to just be like hey your mom's back and now you got to say goodbye to her and it's like we did that in the first movie guys like we, we've been there oh see the problem i have with it is like oh it's because of this other goof off like kind of screwed up and like built this machine that See, it's it's the revealing the man behind the curtain thing to me, where like I could have gone without them them making this machine. Like I'm trying to th- um buzzsaw, velvet buzzsaw. We saw a few weeks ago, like the idea that something happens just because and like throws wrenches into systems, um, but showing why something happened. And then having to deal with that, like, I don't know, kind of feels unflattering to the the whole concept of what you're trying to make. And then to have this story take place over two days' time. And also, she knew that killing herself has this effect on her. Why was she killing herself in such awful ways? <laughs> <laughs> what did you just drink poison the first few days? Like, 
Come on. There's better ways of killing you than jumping out of a plane without a parachute. Mm-mm. You got to be a rebel, man. That's so ridiculous. <sighs> God damn it. Uh, so what else did you hate about the movie? Well, I don't know. And, yeah. Uh, the the prologue took way too long to get going. Like, I had to see 10 minutes of the side character from the first movie. Are you sure? In his own because we get we get the reason why it's called Happy Death Day to you, because her mom's back, and now she wants yeah. to stay in that reality. And I swear to Christ, if we get any more movies this year that say the leap of faith bullshit line, I'm gonna kill them. We but had one, it's... and it was last year, and it was great. <laughs> it's a leap of faith. Um, yeah, and like. I don't know. It just, it wasn't like, I like that they tried to go bigger and do stuff. I like, you know, that she's spit into an alternate universe and, you know, people are different. It's very, it's very back to the future part two, which they even reference in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I don't know. That first one was kind of just a perfect little movie and self-contained and funny. And this one's not, but, they could make a third one. See, I don't know. Like, I saw that too, where someone's like, "the the credit sequence shows where the series is headed next." And I was like, "I don't know. It just feels like another joke at the end." Like, I really don't think they're yeah. going anywhere with it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and plus, that chick would not be smart enough to figure it out. And like, <laughs> I, I shit you not. When they started that uh, after scene credit, I was like, "Is this where we find out who the man behind the?" Uh, <laughs> with the cat at the end of Escape Room is. <laughs> They're actually building a machine for him so he can build more escape rooms. <laughs> more escape rooms. We need all the time so we can do a time loop and build elaborate escape rooms. Bingo. <laughs> so, would you recommend the movie? No. No. I don't. Uh, no, I'd say just uh, watch the first one. It's really good. This one's not. Uh, I would say the same. That first one is growing on me because of this movie. But yeah, that first one's all right. <laughs> so then what are we watching for next week? We got uh, the finishing up Battlestar Galactica season one. What yeah, we'll finish Battlestar. Is there anything else coming out? I don't even remember. Um, yeah, I think so. We had a couple movies. Oh, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon 3. That you're probably oh, well, I haven't seen the rest of it. Fucking douche. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, man. Calm down. Fighting with my family. Oh, did that? I thought that opened this weekend. Nope, it's this weekend. Cool. We'll go see that because nothing else is out, right? Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that one. And then we'll re-pick up with our best and worst list. Yep. So what do we have to watch for next week then? So for the best of, um, we got Buck's uh, seminal film, Psycho. All right. And for the worst, you're going to have to, you know, well, I'll, I'll make sure we get the right one. But got to be careful because we're going to be watching Left Behind. But Uh-oh. we're watching the Cage version, not the Kirk Cameron version. 
Left Behind. What's what Nick Nicholas Cage movie is that? It is the Christian movie where the rapture happens and it's about the people who are left behind on Earth. I feel like I've seen that. I know I've seen it. I was drunk, but I saw it. Uh oh. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I'm pretty intrigued by uh, going back and seeing Psycho. That's the one with Anne Hesh, right? That's the remake. <laughs> I mean, let's, I mean, we could watch the Gus Van Sant shot for shot remake with Vince Vaughn. I mean, if you wanted to. But... Oh man, that movie is so lifeless compared to uh, the original. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't seen Psycho since I was a kid. You know, like I haven't seen it in fifty. I want to say when the remake came out, I was like, "Why did that? Mo- Why did that movie suck so bad?" And then I rewatched the original. And I was like, oh, "Yeah, it did super suck that." But even that was like late nineties, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I've seen Left Behind, so uh, I'm looking forward to that now. Something maybe I guess it's got Leah Thompson, so it's got a couple things going for it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, catch that stuff, and we'll meet back here next week. Same bat time, same place, I suppose. Probably not the same time. Mm-hmm. Not the same time since you are never on time with anything. It's your, I'll the shit on your me. fault. Your fault. Nope. All right, catch you next week. Oh. Bye. Well, pineapples. Ha, 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 ha.